and the Oscar for Best Podcast goes to Azure Coffee. This is the first time that the Agile Coffee Podcast has been nominated for or received an Academy Award. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Oh, this is this is so unbelievable. Thank you, thank you. There's so many people I want to thank. I want to thank Brett and John and Curtis, Doctor Dave, Dale, Larry, Zach, Garrett, Jason, Aaron, Colleen, and so many others. You know, you being on the show has just made it so wonderful for me. Uh, I want to thank my wife and my daughter for being there for me, uh, my music composer, the performers, the editor, the producer. <laughs> I, want to thank, I want to thank all the iTunes reviewers, uh, my Twitter followers, everyone who's used the hashtag. They said, they said it couldn't be done, but, but here we are. These, these 41 episodes, they beg to differ. We're going to do it. We're not going to stop. We can play that music, but but I'm not going to stop. This is for coaching, conversation, and community. We did it. We're going to play the music. Play the right music. Yeah. Thank you. Welcome again to the Agile Coffee Podcast, episode 41. Episode 41. We're almost there, guys. Yeah. We're almost. almost to 42. We're working our way toward it. The answer to life, yeah. podcasts, and everything. And, and scrum. And 42. Scrum, and scrum and everything. Yeah. <laughs> That's exciting. That's exciting. So here we are once again at the Hilton Cape Ray. Uh, I've got Zach Boniker and Larry Lawhead with me. Good morning, guys. Good morning, Vic. Good morning, Vic. Zach can be reached on Twitter at Zach Boniker. Larry's on Twitter at Larry Lawhead. And I am on Twitter at Agile Coffee. So engage with us. Reach out to us and use the hashtag TellAgileCoffee. If you've got a, a comment or you want to be part of the conversation, that's a great way to do it, is uh, reaching out to any of us individually on Twitter or just by using the hashtag itself. So, guys, here we are again at the Cape Ray, the Hilton Cape Ray. This is a great place to be down in Carlsbad. Yep, at Chandler's. Ponto Beach overlooking the ocean. Beautiful winter San Diego day, so it's what sixty five outside. It's cold, very cold. <laughs> very cold. Yeah, I wore a sweater today. Yeah. <laughs> Didn't want to catch a cold or anything. We've got a few really good cards up here again. Uh, I'm really excited about today. Uh, the first one I'm hoping is going to be a good controversial topic. Zach, don't let us down. The fallacy of training. Yeah, I'm already offended at this one. So you better make it good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sorry, don't mean to offend anyone. But <laughs> no, do it. No, do so it. I want to explore why it's a. You know what, what? What it means? Kind of this fallacy or folly of training, and the reason I, I phrase it this way is it occurs to me that when it comes to working in an agile way, we we talk about the system of work, and really what it, to me it feels like we're talking about the behaviors that are different from the behaviors in the past, and I guess this card will center around the question: what necessitates a change in behavior? Uh-huh. Right, I've, I see it all too often that, and I, I know you all have as well, and probably many listeners, a company has decided to send a group or a team or whatever to scrum training and thinks that something will change as a result. And so there they've been trained. They've learned new roles, new responsibilities, new titles, new ways of working, new practices, new everything, and yet nothing changes. What necessitates a change in behavior? When it, from, from an agile thought, process we really talk about a different mindset a strategy a different way of being so what about training causes that to change Mm -hmm. 
You know, there's two things that come to mind right away. It's uh, information or it's knowledge and wisdom, you know, these two things. I play these off in my own head a lot against each other. Knowledge is one thing, it's just information. And wisdom is knowing how to apply that and cause change through it. And I, I've i noticed this, and I'm glad you brought it up as a matter of fact. It's been bothering me, but I didn't notice it was so far back in my head that I didn't notice how much it was getting me riled up. But yeah, I've I've seen people go to training and they come out of it with a certificate and they haven't learned a thing you know even you get people with uh you know i'm a certified uh, scrum master and you you see how they do their work and and they really haven't internalized any of it that's one of the problems that i've seen in, in some companies you know or or you know you get into the pmi thing you know, i'm a certified uh, pro, uh, product manager you know uh, certified product professional at any rate the thing is he doesn't he doesn't even follow that framework as complicated as it might be but what's the point of the certification then what's the point of the learning if you're not going to do something with it and i think you know with with the pmp stuff it's kind of big and clumsy anyhow so i guess it's easy to overlook it but scrum is really quite basic and you leave any of these things out and then you've got a mess um so yeah getting your cert is not going to help if you don't really want to apply it that's a good point. I, I see training as as a necessary ingredient in the total package of adoption of of transformation. Um, I, I don't I don't know if I'd say uh, it's the only thing. I certainly wouldn't say it's the only thing because anytime I've been involved in an engagement where I'm training people, there's always questions to be asked, and and anytime you're training more than one person, there's going to be different needs in the group too. So so a, an, a one size fits all training is 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 never really the end all uh, be all of, of discussions. Uh, it, it's a great starting point, getting people on the same page in terms of kind of the basics, the language that we're we're speaking here, um, kind of the background on, on what it is that we're doing. But it's really only that. It's only a starting point. In fact, uh, you know, when I'm working with co-trainers, um, uh, I'm, I'm going toward my CST. I will be uh, applying uh, sometime in 2016. Uh, submitting my my uh, my application package there, so I'm I'm training with co-trainers, and and when whenever we are in that situation, we always often tell the people in the room, hey, you know, we're happy to to come and visit you or have a conference call or we're not trying to sell other services, although that's that's not out of the realm of possibilities, selling services as, to be a, uh, a coach, but but just helping you kind of fit that training. To your specific need. If we can't answer the questions uh, in this two-day training, for example, uh, we're still looking for ways that we can make ourselves available. I mean, that's that should be part of the trainer's modus operandi is to to provide kind of to help point them to resources where they can get their their next steps uh, met. You know, any other any other. Well, let me go with with questions. more questioning on this yeah, sure. line of thought then. Yeah. So. As agile thinkers, mm-hmm. we tend to focus on outcomes that we yeah. would want either an individual, a team, or group. It tends to be more outcome focused. So, yeah, we have a lot of training. There's certifications and such, and there's you know certified Scrum trainers, for example. So it occurs to me that neither process, attitude, or training necessitates a change in behavior. So when we talk about creating new outcomes. If neither process, attitude, 
or training necessitates a change, what's important about that? That's a really good question. Necessitates a change. So, so just break that break that down to me because words are important here, right? So, so if neither process. So a process does not necessitate a change in behavior because if does not create a change. Well, it doesn't necessitate a change. And here's why: it may create, but it doesn't necessitate. Imagine you have six people. So this, Mm -hmm. I'm going to feed you from a talk that I'm working on as a visual demonstration. Imagine we pulled six people from an audience up and we gave them a ball and we said, "Your job is to pass this ball down the line to get from one end to the other." They would do that, Mm -hmm. right? Then you pull the person in the middle. And you say, you know, to make it more effective, whether it's effective or not, doesn't matter, but it's just a demonstration. To make it more effective, when you get the ball, you should quickly do a jumping jack and then pass it off. Mm. Okay. And they, the line will do that. If you notice only one person's behavior was changed, the change in the process didn't necessitate a change in behavior. It could have. It could have. But I'm talking necessitate. Yeah. Now imagine what happens when we pull more people from the audience. We've got 12 people up on stage. And we tell all of them get together and you're in a group and we say as the outcome that we need to achieve you all can't be more than or you all need to be two feet from each other but not in a straight line go Mm. and watch as everybody moves oh i see okay now now that the group Mm self-organizes and if you're visualizing this in your head pull one person out of the middle just like we did to the process prior pull one person out and say i'm going to send you to scrum training you've got to now be one foot away from everyone but don't tell the rest of the group that just like we do when we send a team or we send an IT department and then not the the entire organization doesn't know or even levels of management don't even know right and then go stick that one person back in the middle and say go and watch as the one person tries to get one foot closer and everyone else is thinking two feet and chaos chaos exactly so this that that what I just did necessitated a change in everybody's behavior. But from a process standpoint, by training one person to do a jumping jack to still deliver the outcome that we expect, Mm. it didn't necessitate a change in the rest. So I said, what's important about that? What are we doing with our transformations? What is the necessity on training? Because again, there's a process thing right right there which didn't change behavior. I can send somebody to training and teach them how to be a product owner. If they don't believe in it, their attitude is not there. It's not going to change their behavior. You know, and then again, lastly, the actual training itself, what necessitates a change in behavior? How do we apply this question to what we do with our teams and our organizations? And I'll go back to that question. If that's true, what's important about that? And I'm very comfortable with silence, so I'm just going to be silent. <laughs> yeah, I mean, what you're, what you're bringing up is, is pretty profound, and I want to let that sink in, too, because... I still can't get away from the idea that training provides value to the organization. I'll look at it another another way. I'll add another variable to it. Uh-huh. I believe that the people involved in our organizations, especially software, um, resonate or, or, or they, they align with, you know, stories or, or ideas of themselves as problem solvers, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. that they're, they're, they like to help. Um, you know, they, they, they feel good about their technical knowledge and how that can help, you know, create solutions. In, in effect, they align with, with these, these, these ideas that I like to solve problems because I'm creative. Mm-hmm. What about training conflicts with that? So here you're telling them, here's the one way to solve mm, a problem now and I'm now going, you can't now I'm giving think them, of yourself. Now I'm giving yeah. them rules and instruction. Hmm. Okay. You're also giving them a vision. 
Are you? Yeah. Are Aren't we? You? Ooh. Is you that the trainer's? Ooh, this is a good question. You're simulating. Is that the trainer's goal? Is that the trainer's goal to give them a vision? You're simulating what? If a, you're a certified scrum trainer, is that your goal? Is to give them a vision? A vision. The of what ultimate scrum goal. Like? Because when the people, what are the expectations of the people attending the training? Are they thinking they, they're there to get a vision? Well, that's a great question. It depends who the audience is. Ah, so are they going there to get their certificate and be good so they can put that on a resume or yeah. fulfill some requirement? Yeah. Or are they there to learn and engage and ask questions and you know find out what is this scrum machine is that they want to go into? Is there a misalignment here at all? Does it exist? And, and I'm not trying to be facetious, and I'm really not asking these questions with a hidden agenda. I do have some beliefs that I'm leaning towards, but my agenda is not necessarily clear in asking these questions. I do believe that there's a, some fallacy. There's some fall. There's some. There's a disconnect right now with with training may feel useful. Is that more biased though from what we've associated in the past with the mechanical traditional type of work? I don't know. What you, you know when it comes to scrum training, I personally maybe it's more my personality than anything, but I never go into a, a, a teaching situation without a goal in mind. I want to move my audience from A to B. And if I haven't done that, maybe they don't even know about the A to B. But I know as I, this is where I want to get them when they're finished. Mm. And if I don't have that going into it, I'm, I'm lost. I, I couldn't even do anything. I wouldn't have ability to teach if I didn't have that goal in mind. Train, so. Training to me seems very profoundly useful when the trainees believe in the way. Yeah. That yes. is the right way. And they seek it. And they say, yes, I want that. But have you ever been sent to training before where oh, you didn't care about it? Yeah. Well, the trainer well, was hardly even plugged in. If we go in, in and you know? we train like, at organizations around Agile, can we discount? Uh, so I, I, I can't help but, but feel that there is a, a, a commonality here. Have you talked to people who have not done the training but received the training? Like, for example, um, I've trained and I give feedback forms at the end and you know, some people don't write any comments, and that's what I'm always after is the comments. And if they don't write comments, they circle all excellence, and then they pass it on. They just want to get out of there. But but the com- the people that do leave comments, that's what I'm asking. If you've talked to these people, because the comments will run the gamut of people saying, you know, academically, you know, you could use more slides on this, or you showed us too many slides. And, and they kind of focus on the, the what of the training. And then there's other people that talk about the why and the how of the training, which are the more interesting comments to me, uh, whether they're agreeing that the training was useful and necessary or not. Um, and that's where I'm wondering if maybe you can, yeah, you I, could I, spend more time, you know, investigating. Yeah, and, and I could, and yeah. I will. You know, I... Because I, training, I, I think training works best when you're training small numbers of people because you're getting closer to the why are we all here yeah. together uh, as opposed to a larger number where people can be checked out or they can just be showing up for because someone told them to type of thing i think if you have a smaller group you're probably more in line with uh getting to kind of the heart of why are we together what's the common goal what's the purpose yeah no no you're right you're right um i have i have you know looked at feedback from training of course i've Mm -hmm. talked to people about them Mm -hmm. i'm i find them interesting like like you do i'm not yet convinced though that it's relevant Mm mm-hmm I'm still not sure that despite the feedback around, you know, what 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 we're doing with our training is necessarily going to evoke the change that we may have hoped the training, you know, would create. I don't know. Interesting topic. 
Use the hashtag TellAgileCoffee. Let us know if uh, what your thoughts are on training. Can we do without it? How can we change it? What can we add to it? Or is it fine as is? Uh, I want to hear more from you, Zach. I want you to um, let us know when you get a blog post uh, up on this it's, or it's, or it's, a talk around it. Because it's part of a talk I'm working on to try yeah. to uh, so. Yeah, it's fascinating, and I want to I want to I want to engage you more on it. But I also want to want to hear more about it's, what other people have to say. It's good because the feedback so far has said, "Wow, wait, I would be interested in this talk." So I guess that's <laughs> that's motivation to keep no. trying to find to finalize it, and pursue it. Next topic today: no shortcuts, no shoe. Ah, re, just from shoe straight to re. Yeah, this Very. is this is something I'm constantly confronted with, and I, uh, like I said before, I'm a I'm a real fan of the martial arts. I, I I love martial arts. I like practicing and learning them, and it's really had a effect on my life and how I think of things. And you know, at the gym, you get a, a lot of the new kids. You know, they come in, they've seen a Bruce Lee movie, and they believe they know it all. And then you try to teach them something. And they go, no, it's not this way, it's that way. Mm-hmm. It's like, what do you mean it's that way? No, it's not that way. And, you know, it's a lot of mechanics behind it. You know, watching the center line, staying center. There's tons and tons of stuff. But you get a lot of times in a martial arts gym, all the time, as a matter of fact, you get people who want to take shortcuts. And then they, they end up leaving because, well, I'm not learning anything anyhow. Mm-hmm. Well, one guy, I remember, he showed up to the gym. He took a couple of free classes. And then he went back and started teaching in his own in his own garage. I thought, what? Uh, what? <laughs> the guy hardly knew how to to stand properly, let alone throw throw various punches, you know. And I think in the in in, in when it comes to agile uh, adoption, or uh, learning and te- teaching and learning scrum and and, and uh, introducing teams or helping them find their way back to uh, to scrum, uh, there's a lot of shortcuts. And this is one thing I've found. It often, it comes up all the time. It's like, uh, oh, yeah, I know I know Agile. I know Scrum. And it's becoming very popular. You know, it's like uh, almost, you know, you got to have it on your resume now or you're not going to get a job practically. Uh, so, yeah, I know all about Agile. You do? Well, well, what, well, tell me about your experiences. Well, the last job the last job I was on, we had, uh, we had the daily stand-ups. Oh, really? Yeah. There were like 45 minutes and we had, you know, big teams of 20 people and we were... Doing a scrum. What do, you, what do you mean scrum? Yeah, yeah. And that's all they have is just a daily stand-up. That's how you can't change. You can't change the form before you've even. You know, you're, you're trying to go to the restate to to maybe add your own ideas possibly before you even get the fundamentals down. So it's a chaos sometimes when you go to various companies or you talk to various people about scrum. And I think that's that's a real dangerous thing. You've got to go through this shoe hurry stage and you have to embrace it and watch how it changes your life and how you think so i like i like that you walked us through a a martial arts class can you walk us through uh, an example in the workplace yeah just recently for example uh, i i got a new contract i came into the company one of the things they wanted me to do was help them find a way back to Mm -hmm. to scrum uh, which is a real fun thing I'm, i'm having a blast and the partner i have uh, who is a fellow scrum master? Uh, I asked I asked this person, you know, what's been your scrum experience? Oh, yeah, I know all about scrum. You do well. Tell me about it. And she came up with the thing. Yeah, we uh, we did stand ups. Hmm. And I thought, okay, what else? And that was it. Hmm. And then I asked her a little more about the stand ups. And well, you know, we had them once in a while, and they were about 30, 40 minutes. And, and I think, oh man, we've totally lost it. So she it. hasn't even really gotten through the shoe. No, we haven't got the shoe stage. It's like retrospective. Yeah, well, it was such a waste of time. But 
hold it, just a second. No, we, how are we going to, so, so I started talking about Kaizen. Before I even talked about the retrospective, I had to sell her on the, sell them on the idea of Kaizen, you know. Mm. And now we finally got that down. And actually it's working out well. Uh, that individual now is doing another, uh, a scrum. Sorry, another sprint. So I get all worked up here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they're doing another sprint. And at least now their burn down starts to look good. It's really great. Before it was like, what are you doing? You just look at the stats and it was horrible. So mm. now we're, we're gradually learning. Uh, so we're at the shoes state here. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't even think that individual realizes it, but we, you know, let's get the fundamentals done. I think so. you should be talking about the concept of shuhari with them with, with good examples, whether it's from like martial arts or, or something else. I'm thinking like, like weight loss. Like, uh, um, that's good when you, you know, just go get a stomach staple and you're good. You know, just skipper to re, you're, you're expert. Um, and then, and then just like working with the teams, you know, each independently and, and asking them how long they think the shoe stage needs to be for any given activity and, and just pushing them to, to stay in that state, uh, longer than they're maybe comfortable. Like, oh, we're good. We got it. We've done three stand ups, so we know how stand up goes. Yeah. Really? Let's investigate it more. Let's, let's work on it more. Interesting. In martial arts, it, it, there's this idiom where if you haven't done a certain move 10,000 times, then yeah. you haven't done it at all. Yeah, 10,000 times. 10,000 times, up, uh, and then you do more, but yeah. at least 10,000 times. So, two, two questions. Mm-hmm. Um, how, how might Shuhari differ amongst you know, entities or groups from like a development team to, mm. say, a product owner? To, you know, how how might this concept you know apply differently? And also, is there any commonality here to the Dunning Kruger effect? Hmm. Just in case no one's familiar with give that, us, it's, yeah, yeah, yeah so the, it's it's the idea that as a novice you think you're an expert, uh. you <laughs> act accordingly, and, and as an expert, <laughs> as time. an expert, you don't share you know more simple information because you feel like well that's just basic knowledge, right? As a, and so there's this gap on. Either you, you, you think you know more than you do and then you don't disclose enough as an expert also. Yeah, all I know is I know nothing. Right. Exactly. The more I know, the less I know. Yeah. I, I yeah. can really yeah. tell you that. So how sure. might Shuhari translate to what we know about that real, you know, human, you know, syndrome? I mean, this is a research thing, the Dunning-Kruger effect. So, so let's go back to your first question about uh, product owners, say, versus versus developers. So I've talked with um, a number of development teams who are excited about the idea of, if not excited, at least open to, I should say, the idea of intentional practices. Um, some teams more than others, but for the most part, developers like to get better at their craft um, of developing. They, they like learning new languages. It could be a little bit of the shiny object syndrome, but I think they <laughs> genuinely in, intend to kind of add to their overall toolkit and their their expertise of how to craft software uh, for the most part you can go and see people engaging in in practices related around self-improvement and improvement of the team product owners on the other hand i don't know do they do they have like let's have a story writing workshop let's uh-huh. talk about user story mapping let's develop these per- personas for the the betterment of our po organization or product organization or you know, are, do we have any practices that we as individual contributors can participate in to make ourselves better? I don't know. I can't answer that. But maybe that's where you were going with the question. It's kind of how I took it. Yeah, it could be. I mean, I've, I've, I've witnessed a team um, where I learned intentional practice, where I learned intentional practice from, um, you know, they were well beyond the shoe. You know, I mean, very mature, advanced 
incredible software team. And then I saw a team that was at the shoe stage try to copy that and do intentional oh. practice, and it didn't stick. Mm. Yeah, so maybe those not. type of things are evidence of moving and progressing through that shoe lottery. Um, I don't know. I, know. I know for me personally, I <laughs> I don't ever think – I remember one time when I used to think I was an expert. Now I think I know nothing. <laughs> That's me. And so I don't see how I could ever reach re because that means I, I, I think I always want to be at hot, but I no. I guess that was maybe where my second question kind of – or the, 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 where the question applies to is, is there a different mentality that must set in with this? It's a great visual. Sometimes I wonder how I how I use it. We've we've kind of come to the end of the time box, but uh, my apologies to you guys. I wanted to ask, where do you when do you tell Mr. Miyagi that we no longer need him? Is that at the restage? And and when can you not tell Mr. Miyagi that he has to go away? So in oh, the I Karate think. Kid, you know, Shuhari is like wax on, wax yep. off. You know, um, what's the character's uh, for, name? For right. me, that's easy. It's you it's know. for me, it's easy. It's when you. When you don't want Mr. Miyagi, then you need him. No, no, when you don't want him, I don't need you, then you absolutely need him. But when you are convinced that you must have him, he has to be there. You're probably for me ready to be safe, for him You're probably to, ready for him to leave. I, I, I agree, even though I, it's, it's a painful thought. Because if you have somebody that you've been learning from, then you don't want to ever separate from them. And the, the more you're with them, the more you see that you need them. And all of a sudden... They're not there, and that's probably the best thing at that point. Yeah. But if you want them to go away, then you know for sure you got way too much to learn. Yeah, so. a great coach will know when, when to say when. <laughs> when is enough. Next topic we have, the irony of Agile and technology. This sounded really good in the lead-up that you gave us earlier. So uh, well, Maybe, that, maybe yeah. it's, it's good. It's, I'll, I'll be honest. It's a question that I, I don't know what potential it has to talk about, but it was just a thought that occurred to me this morning. So I was reading an article about the Tinderization Mm. Of of people, um, this is this new phrase apparently. Um, so, you know, referring to that app Tinder. If you're not familiar with it, it's this dating app that shows you a picture of a person and you either swipe yes or no. And it was talking about how this creates robotic behavior and it oversimplifies complex things into a yes or no, so that people are just no longer mm. engaged. They're not really thinking things through, and it just creates this very robotic, non-intelligent behavior. And it. it <laughs> Kind of occurred to me. So, as agile practitioners, we really we really believe that a lot of the patterns and, and strategies of thought can really increase our innovation and our, our our ability to create new technology and maybe drive the ability to simplify things of human behavior. So we're getting really good at simplifying behavior, and yet we're making it easier through that technology mm-hmm. to to miss our values, hmm. such as you know rally Jira. Version one, these yeah. these amazingly these tools, robust yeah. tools that make it really easy to stop favoring individuals and in interactions and collaborating with people. You know, it just becomes. I just thought that was ironic. So go back to the whiteboard and the stickies. Yeah, yeah and it just makes me wonder: Are we? Is it this ironic thing where, where we're making it really easy, or we, we're even by practicing agile, we're making it harder for us to continue practicing agile? I, it just occurred to me, and I wondered if if that resonated with anyone. You know, going back to the uh, Toyota books that I mentioned in our last podcast uh, where they explain TPS, it's interesting that from what I read there, Toyota doesn't put a huge emphasis on technology. They'd rather have stickies on a wall than, than say, Jira or Rally or sure. Version 1. Now, I'm a real big fan of those solutions, and I couldn't say enough good things about them. But as a scrum master, I'm using these things as a tool, but they're not the solution. 
if I'm letting my team not communicate, if I'm allowing that these conversations not to occur, if I don't think those conversations are important, then I've lost out. I think as a, as a scrum master, and I'm using, say, these technologies, then I have to engage myself even more in making sure that we don't lose focus of those simple things. And maybe it is right. I've been thinking about this a little bit. Maybe it is right for us to not use a, the Kanban board in Jira, but to have go back to stickies on a wall or something. Uh, I'm almost afraid to do that. But on the other hand, I, I see the benefit of it. So it, you can't, I think you have to work harder if you use technology to, to keep focus on the things that are, are important. It's just an interesting irony to me that, that Agile helps us build better technology that makes it easier for us to not be Agile. Is that, is that not? It, yeah, but, but think of it this way, too. Um, with Agile, you know, we're talking about smaller batch sizes. We're talking about more frequent um, inspection and adaption points. And um, maybe that's a good thing that we're talking about. The is it the Tinderization? Is that what you call that? The uh, that's how they are. Yeah. Yeah. This robotic behavior due to technology. You know, our, with our shorter attention spans and our kind of reliance on on more simple systems, I think it's good to have these. You know, the, the shorter, smaller batches and and more yeah, frequent absolutely. kind of uh, checkpoints. Um, so maybe maybe they kind of go hand in hand a little bit more. Um, than we thought. I know that you're getting into kind of their, the over-reliance on, on tools to make things simpler, and I get that, but but I still I, I still think Agile is is more of the way to go than big plan up front. Oof. You know? I think that if you compared the tinderization uh, of, of our brains to, to B, BPUF, is that it? Um, there, you can't even make a comparison or draw any comparisons there because we're just not living in that day and age. Uh, so you're talking about taking speed dating and accelerating it even to the point of just a swipe to the left or the right. And yeah, it's yeah. you know, it, it, quick quick side story. I, I was coaching Little League a few years ago, and one of the rules in Little League was no technology, no cell phones in the dugout, nothing. These mm-hmm. were these are twelve or thirteen year old kids. Um, you know, once you stepped into the lines, the phone stayed home. Right? So I was uh, coaching third base, you know, and we had kids in the dugout, and there was a pitching change, and I, mm-hmm. you know, it was a slow lull moment in the game. I look over, and there's two kids sitting side by side on their phones. And I go, oh, come on. Mm-hmm. So I go over to them, and I say, hey, what? Come on. You guys know the rules. You got, what's going on? What's so important that, you know, you, you had to have your phone? And they kind of you know, look sheepishly. And I said, what were you guys doing? And one of them looks at me, and he says, I, I was just texting Matt, you know, the kid next to him. And at that point, I was fascinated. Forget the rules. I got to say, wait a second. Hold on. So you knowingly would break the rules to text somebody who was right next to you that you could have just spoken to? Why'd you do that? And they both looked kind of funny. And one of them was like, we just text so much it was easier. And I'm guessing it was some (laughs) – no, and I'm guessing it was some gossip or something that they didn't want to hear other kids to hear. But that was incredible to me. We just text so much. We just use these. And I think to myself, you know, the better we get it at being agile, the, the better we produce technology and we create these new innovative, mm-hmm. the, the more we're going to make it easier for that type of, or, or the, the, the more we're going to enable this type of behavior to mm-hmm. happen. And I just found that fascinating, kind of an interesting irony to, to our craft. I love that um, story. And it, it, it kind, of, kind of makes me think, you know, what, what conversations are we not having about the rigor and discipline of, of sticking to these principles, you know. Um, yeah, that's the reason why you have to know the why. Yeah. The why in agile are we doing this? And if you know the why and you've really embraced it, internalized it, then 
then I think it's going to help you get beyond it. But that's a great story. So moving on to our final topic of the day, why Scrum? So talk about why yeah. knowing the why. why this is scrum? interesting. It kind of goes back to a little bit of our previous conversations. Uh, you know, it's funny because you... Um, the organization I'm currently working for, and I really am very excited about them. I, I think it's a great company. Um, but sometimes, I, well, I, they're, they're a very, 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 very big company. And when I bring up certain things like, well, yeah, we have to stay competitive, you know. Well, in, in certain areas, they are actually by far the biggest player. So how are you going to, why, you know, what do you mean stay competitive? Mm. You know, well, there is a guy in the garage that might take you. Over. Yeah, man, I guess he could. I, I don't know. Mm. So the whole point is in the why scrum. Well, okay, what we do here is, if I can just go way back to the basics, is we want to get better at what we do. We want to be kaizen, want to be more efficient, better, faster, cheaper. And then the question is, I guess that's a good idea. So a lot of times, I think companies lose focus of uh, scrum because they don't figure out why they wanted to use it in the first place. And like I've said a couple of times now, it's becoming so popular to be Scrum that if you just take on the name without understanding why, then I think you won't really, the implementation is going to be a lot harder, if at all. Success is going to be very difficult. So why Scrum? Because we want to be more efficient. Because we want to embrace Kaizen. Because we want to be more human in how we interact with ourselves as a team and to the organization. So there's a lot to it. But I, I think companies adopt this because it might be a good idea, but they don't really understand why we want to adopt this. Yeah, I think this question could go, why Scrum? Why Agile? Why yeah. anything, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's difficult to hear companies and leaders when, they answer, when I ask this question and they answer with surface-level things that could have been addressed in whatever they were doing prior. Mm -hmm. Um, For example, well, we went to Scrum because we wanted to improve quality. Well, there's nothing about Scrum that's necessarily going to improve your quality. Um, That's not designed to do that. It may. It's very possible it could. It could Mm -hmm. expose dysfunctions that are inhibiting quality. Great. Yeah, it's not going to fix your problems. It'll expose them. But but there's no reason that we couldn't have have shifted a focus to quality on whatever we were doing prior. It was just change the work system, right? Um, You know, I think the worst example that I've heard uh, was a, a, a recent company that said, well, we came in because I, I came on because the, they were struggling, you know, because they had sent everyone to scrum training and they don't understand why it wasn't working. Yep, yep. And and he said, well, why did you do that in the first place? And so, well, we had heard from our, our engagement surveys that people in IT were highly disengaged. Mm-hmm. And so we, we heard that scrum is a self-organizing thing, an empowering thing, so we let them do scrum so they can be empowered. So you send everyone to scrum training to empower them? Yeah. Wow, that that hurt, right? Because because no, I mean, we'll think about that from a the human, opposite, right? Well, right, right. So think about that from a very human aspect. That you would go and create a program or a, a process for empowerment suggests that you took their. I mean, as human beings, we are empowered, right? We should be. That's a basic element of humanity. Yeah, you exactly. took that from them, and now you're having to give it back. By force, by telling them to do something. I mean, that's that's a complete contradiction. Um, and you know, the the other side to it is, my, <laughs> and I remember sharing this with them. It sounds like you, management, were the ones feeling or, or causing this feeling. Mm-hmm. People, 
And so you've done nothing by telling people to act a different way to change anything about mm-hmm. yourselves. Yeah, haven't tur- changed and, the environment. Right. right. Yeah. And, and I said, so maybe that's really what we need to focus on. Maybe they already know how to do the scrum thing. And if that's what you want, because culturally that's how you want the organization to look and feel, maybe I should spend all my time with you. Well, we want change. <laughs> and, and, we oh, just don't want to change. Oh, oh, and that didn't go over well. Yeah, that was, that was no, we that. are off limits. Get your get, get, get down and sit with the teams like we told <laughs> you to. Um, so, you know, for, for me, it's, it's really getting to, to hearing – much, much more than surface level things. You know, I, I want to hear things. I think the best example of, of this question was a company that said, well, the reason that we went to Agile is we wanted to create, create a culture that favors more about that, that, that emphasizes and favors the learning of what we do rather than the thing that we make. There you go. And I went, Oh, well done. Thank you. Yeah, That's a exactly. great fit. And I, and I know how to work with that now as a mm. practitioner. I know how to start to advocate and build it. But, you know, oh, we did it to create empowerment or improve quality. It's surface level. That's that's meaningless, at least from my perspective. Mm -hmm. If you can get a learning organization or create one or get in one, then you're already 90% there. Yeah, what's it all about? Uh, So you asked why Scrum, and and one of the things that came to mind was, like, where, where are they at before, where are they coming from? So what are they leaving behind? When you ask why Scrum... I mean, how, how advanced, uh, if at all, were they on, on this path about becoming a learning organization? Had they already taken steps? Had they tried out things like XP, um, maybe other, like Kanban or anything like that, and they're trying to find something else? Maybe they're trying to scale. Is that part of the goal? Or were they just brand new to it? Like you're saying, they, they're just trying to fix some other um, some other system, some other process, uh, something else that was wrong with the organization, uh, quality, for instance. Um, where are they coming from that they want to ask, you know, why Scrum or they think Scrum might be a fit for them? I think that's obviously very critical to know where are they at in their maturity anyway because you might uh, look, you might be like soup Nazi to them. You're not ready for Scrum, no Scrum for you. I think we talked about that in <laughs> a previous podcast too. Uh, what, what do they need to have in place so that you can feel that, yeah, Scrum is, is ready for you. You are ready for Scrum. It is a good fit. Um, and I think we hit on, on parts already when, when Zach is saying, you know, leadership pushes scrum training onto teams and teams might not be engaged or, or want it, but they're told to go there. Yeah. Well, you know, can't we as, as scrum trainers just say, no, we don't want your money, you know? Yeah, we, <laughs> want, we want you to feel empowered. So here, go do the thing I just told you to do. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, right. Um, when, how about why Scrum, if, if you're already using Scrum, maybe um, why, uh, to go back to Shuhari, why, when is the team ready to move on from Scrum? Um, so, for example, you know, do you have any teams that are just like, you know what, we've, we've been doing it and, and we love Scrum and we got value out of it, but maybe the, the, the ceremonies don't have as much meaning to us anymore, the time boxes maybe, the sprint, the idea of a sprint has no more meaning for us anymore, so... Uh, would it happen in a switch like that, or would it happen incrementally? Would, would it, we just start to discover be, it as we adapt? It'd probably be, yeah, incremental, right? So you'd start saying, you know, this very prescriptive model of Scrum isn't working for us. Let's start adapting Scrum. Yeah. And then at some point you might be thinking, well, Scrum could disappear altogether because we've internalized the practices. Yeah, what, what gives a better, I think, in just thinking about this, what, mm-hmm. what makes me feel better hearing about a company that just decided all, of, all at once to switch from Scrum to something mm-hmm. or started with Scrum and became something else without even a, and having to look back and say, oh, yeah, 
Oh, that's right. We did let go of Scrum. Oh, yeah, we're doing this now. Instead. You know what I mean? Where yeah. it was just incremental. It just grew. To me, that, that probably feels or seems healthier. Mm-hmm. I, I, might, I might have a lot of questions about somebody that a company that came to me and said, so we're doing Scrum now and it's great, but we think we just want to completely switch to something different. Yeah, that, 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 that would that, That's making it, me feel uncomfortable. But if they could say, you know, that. some of our teams started exploring Kanban and it's working well, and, and some of our teams are still on Scrum, or, or we have this need to scale, and yeah, it just, it's do, adaptive. do we want it's to bring adapt- everyone back to Scrum? And there, there you'd be like, probably not. You yeah, don't want right. to bring people back to Scrum, but, but let's explore together about... You know, is there the need to keep everyone on, on a on a very consistent, uh, familiar system, or, or can people start adapting? And mm-hmm. what's that look like? Yep. yep. That could be a topic for another day. We've reached our time box. Uh, anything else you guys want to share at this moment? I do want to remind our listeners that we do have a number of events coming up. So, as as you heard at the beginning of the of the podcast today, we've got the Agile Open. San Diego uh, at the end of February. AgileOpenCalifornia.com is where to go for more information there. Also, the Scrum Coaching Retreat in March in San Diego as well. ScrumAlliance.org is where you can find information on that. Any last words, gentlemen? So, just as a bit of food for thought, I've yet to talk with a company that started with an emphasis on sustainably delivering value, delivering software, and getting good at that ever say they have a scaling problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. Right. That's I, think, I think, too, that uh, that uh, the whole Agile thing is a journey more than anything else. And, and I know everybody says it. it's true, and I think it applies to this, too. That we're on a journey together. We're going to discover how to bring to our customers products that really mean something to them. And I heard just recently I, um, a webinar where... The idea was that we're not here to create software. We're here to change lives. We're here to change the world. And that sounds That's really great. big. Everybody and their uncle is saying that, but it's really true. We want to bring stuff to the market that is so meaningful to our customers that we're actually changing the way they do work and changing the world as we go. If so you can be a learning it. organization, then you can, you're can you embracing the idea of pivoting. Exactly. Developing something, testing in the market, and then pivoting to what's actually necessary. As long as you can learn and grow together and keep that that alive, yeah, I think there's no stopping you. Yeah, exactly. It's an organization. So I want to thank Zach Boniker for being here. Zach can be reached on Twitter at Zach Boniker with a B. And Larry Lawhead. Thank you, Larry, for being here. Larry is at Larry Lawhead on Twitter. It's always fun. I'm Vic Bonacci. You can reach out to me on Twitter at Agile Coffee. Hit us up with the hashtag TellAgileCoffee and reply to any of these topics that we talked about today, whether it's why Scrum, uh, the fallacy of training, the shuhari, are there any shortcuts there? How about the the tinderization? I like that word. I'm going to look that up as well. Um, and and join us. Keep, keep with us on this Agile journey. Pack your thermos full of coffee and share that coffee with friends. Agile Coffee.